Section seven of Four Weird Tales by Algernon Blackwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Four Weird Tales by Algernon Blackwood. The Glamour of the Snow. Chapter three. In the morning, Hibbert realized he had done perhaps a foolish thing. The brilliant sunshine that drenched the valley made him see this, and the sight of his work table with its typewriter, books, papers, and the rest brought additional conviction. To have skated with a girl alone at midnight, no matter how innocently the thing had come about, was unwise, unfair especially to her. Gossip in these little winter resorts was worse than in a provincial town. He hoped no one had seen them. Luckily, the night had been dark. Most likely none had heard the ring of skates. Deciding that in the future he would be more careful, he plunged into work and sought to dismiss the matter from his mind. But in his times of leisure, the memory returned persistently to haunt him. When he skied, lugged, or danced in the evenings, and especially when he skated on the little rink, he was aware that the eye of his mind forever sought this strange companion of the night. A hundred times he fancied that he saw her, but always sight deceived him. Her face he might not know, but he could hardly fail to recognize her figure. Yet nowhere among the others did he catch a glimpse of that slim young creature he had skated with alone beneath the clouded stars. He searched in vain. Even his inquiries as to the occupants of the private chalets brought no results. He had lost her. But the queer thing was that he felt as though she was somewhere close. He knew she had not really gone. While people came and left every day, it never once occurred to him that she had left. On the contrary, he felt assured that they would meet again. This thought he never quite acknowledged. Perhaps it was the wish that fathered it only, and even when he did meet her, it was a question how he would speak and claim acquaintance, or whether she would recognize himself. It might be awkward. He almost came to dread a meeting, although dread, of course, was far too strong a word to describe an emotion that was half delight, half wondering anticipation. Meanwhile, the season was in full swing. Hibbert felt in perfect health worked hard, skied, skated, lugged, and at night danced fairly often, in spite of his decision. This dancing was, however, an act of subconscious surrender. It really meant he hoped to find her among the whirling couples. He was searching for her without quite acknowledging it to himself, and the hotel world, meanwhile, thinking it had won him over, teased and chaffed him. He made excuses in a similar vein, but all the time he watched and searched and waited. For several days the sky held clear and bright and frosty, bitterly cold, everything crisp and sparkling in the sun. But there was no sign of fresh snow, and the skiers began to grumble. On the mountains was an icy crust that made running dangerous. They wanted the frozen, dry, and powdery snow that makes for speed, renders steering easier, and falling less severe. But the keen east wind showed no signs of changing for a whole ten days. Then suddenly there came a touch of softer air, 
and the weather-wise began to prophesy. Hibbert, who was delicately sensitive to the least change in earth or sky, was perhaps the first to feel it. Only he did not prophesy. He knew through every nerve in his body that moisture had crept into the air, was accumulating, and that presently a fall would come. For he responded to the moods of nature like a fine barometer. And the knowledge this time brought into his heart a strange little wayward emotion that was hard to account for, a feeling of unexplained uneasiness and disquieting joy. For behind it, woven through it rather, ran a faint exhilaration that connected remotely somewhere with that touch of delicious alarm, that tiny anticipating dread that so puzzled him when he thought of his next meeting with his skating companion of the night. It lay beyond all words, all telling, this queer relationship between the two, but somehow the girl and Snow ran in a pair across his mind. Perhaps for imaginative writing men more than for other workers, the smallest change of mood betrays itself at once. His work, at any rate, revealed this slight shifting of emotional values in his soul. Not that his writing suffered, but that it altered, subtly, as those changes of sky or sea or landscape that come with the passing of afternoon into evening, imperceptibly. A subconscious excitement sought to push outwards and express itself, and knowing the uneven effect such moods produced in his work, he laid his pen aside and took instead to reading that he had to do. Meanwhile the brilliance passed from the sunshine. The sky grew slowly overcast. By dusk the mountaintops came singularly close and sharp. The distant valley rose into absurdly near perspective. The moisture increased, rapidly approaching saturation point when it must fall in snow. Hibbert watched and waited. And in the morning the world lay smothered beneath its fresh white carpet. It snowed heavily till noon, thickly, incessantly, chokingly, a foot or more. Then the sky cleared, the sun came out in splendor, the wind shifted back to the east, and frost came down upon the mountains with its keenest and most biting tooth. The drop in the temperature was tremendous, but the skiers were jubilant. Next day the running would be fast and perfect. Already the mass was settling, and the surface freezing into those moss-like powdery crystals that make the ski run almost of their own accord with a faint sishing as of a bird's wings through the air. Chapter 4 That night there was excitement in the little hotel world, first because there was a bal costume, chiefly because the new snow had come, and Hibbert went felt drawn to go. He did not go in costume, but he wanted to talk about the slopes and skiing with the other men, and at the same time. Ah, there was the truth, the deeper necessity that called, for the singular connection between the stranger and the snow again betrayed itself, utterly beyond explanation as before, but vital and insistent. Some hidden instinct in his pagan soul, Heaven knows how he phrased it even to himself, if he phrased it at all, whispered that with the snow the girl would be somewhere about, would emerge from her hiding place, would even look for him. 
absolutely unwarranted it was he laughed while he stood before the little glass and trimmed his mustache tried to make his black tie sit straight and shook down his dinner jacket so that it should lie upon the shoulders without a crease his brown eyes were very bright i look younger than i usually do he thought it was unusual even significant in a man who had no vanity about his appearance and certainly never questioned his age or tried to look younger than he was affairs of the heart with one tumultuous exception that left no fuel for lesser subsequent fires had never troubled him the forces of his soul and mind not called upon for work and obvious duties all went to nature the desolate wild places of the earth were what he loved night and the beauty of the stars and snow and this evening he felt their claims upon him mightily stirring a rising wildness caught his blood quickened his pulse woke longing and passion too but chiefly snow the snow whirled softly through his thoughts like white seductive dreams for the snow had come and she it seemed had somehow come with it into his mind and yet he stood before that twisted mirror and pulled his tie and coat askew a dozen times as though it mattered what in the world is up with me he thought and then laughing a little he turned before leaving the room to put his private papers in order the green morocco desk that held them he took down from the shelf and laid upon the table tied to the lid was the visiting card with his brother's london address in case of accident on the way down to the hotel he wondered why he had done this for though imaginative he was not the kind of man who dealt in presentiments moods with him were strong but ever held in leash it's almost like a warning he thought smiling he drew his thick coat tightly round the throat as the freezing air bit at him those warnings one reads of in stories sometimes a delicious happiness was in his blood over the edge of the hills across the valley rose the moon he saw her silver sheet the world of snow snow covered all it smothered sound and distance it smothered houses streets and human beings it smothered life chapter five in the hall there was light and bustle people were already arriving from the other hotels and chalets their costumes hidden beneath many wraps Groups of men in evening dress stood about smoking, talking, snow, and skiing. The band was tuning up. The claims of the hotel world clashed about him faintly as of old. At the big glass windows of the veranda, peasants stopped a moment on their way home from the café to peer. Hibbert thought laughingly of that conflict he used to imagine. He laughed because it suddenly seemed so unreal. He belonged so utterly to nature and the mountains and especially to those desolate slopes where now the snow lay thick and fresh and sweet that there was no question of a conflict at all the power of the newly fallen snow had caught him proving it without effort out there upon those lonely reaches of the moonlit ridges the snow lay ready masses and masses of it cool soft inviting he longed for it it awaited him he thought of the intoxicating delight of skiing in the moonlight thus somehow in vivid flashing vision he thought of it while he stood there smoking with the other men and talking all the shop of skiing 
and ever mysteriously blended with this power of the snow poured also through his inner being the power of the girl he could not disabuse his mind of the insinuating presence of the two together he remembered that queer skating impulse of ten days ago the impulse that had let her in that any mind even an imaginative one could pass beneath the sway of such a fancy was strange enough and hibbert while fully aware of the disorder yet found a curious joy in yielding to it this insubordinate center that drew him towards old pagan beliefs had assumed command with a kind of sensuous pleasure he let himself be conquered and snow that night seemed in everybody's thoughts the dancing couples talked of it the hotel proprietors congratulated one another it meant good sport and satisfied their guests everyone was planning trips and expeditions talking of slopes and tell marks of flying speed and distance of drifts and crust and frost vitality and enthusiasm pulsed in the very air all were alert and active positive radiating currents of creative life even into the stuffy atmosphere of that crowded ballroom and the snow had caused it the snow had brought it all this discharge of eager sparkling energy was due primarily to the snow but in the mind of hibbert by some swift alchemy of his pagan yearnings this energy became transmuted it rarefied itself gleaming in white and crystal currents of passionate anticipation which he transferred as by a species of electrical imagination into the personality of the girl the girl of the snow she somewhere was waiting for him expecting him calling to him softly from those leagues of moonlit mountain he remembered the touch of that cool dry hand the soft and icy breath against his cheek the hush and softness of her presence in the way she came and the way she had gone again like a flurry of snow the wind sent gliding up the slopes she like himself belonged out there he fancied that he heard her little windy voice come sifting to him through the snowy branches of the trees calling his name that haunting little voice that dived straight to the center of his life as once long years ago two other voices used to do but nowhere among the costumed dancers did he see her slender figure he danced with one and all the straight and absent a stupid partner as each girl discovered his eyes ever turning towards the door and windows hoping to catch the luring face the vision that did not come and at length hoping even against hope for the ballroom thinned groups left one by one going home to their hotels and chalets the band tired obviously people sat drinking lemon squashes at the little tables the men mopping the foreheads everybody ready for bed it was close on midnight as hibbert passed through the hall to get his overcoat and snow boots he saw men in the passage by the sport room greasing their ski against an early start knapsack luncheons were being ordered by the kitchen swing doors he sighed lighting a cigarette a friend offered him he returned a confused reply to some question as to whether he could join their party in the morning it seemed he did not hear it properly he passed through the outer vestibule between the double glass doors and went into the night the man who asked the question watched him go 
an expression of anxiety momentarily in his eyes. Don't think he heard you, said another, laughing. You've got to shout to Hibbert, his mind's so full of his work. He works too hard, suggested the first, full of queer ideas and dreams. But Hibbert's silence was not rudeness. He had not caught the invitation, that was all. The call of the hotel world had faded. He no longer heard it. Another, wilder call was sounding in his ears. For up the street he had seen a little figure moving. Close against the shadows of the baker's shop it glided. White, slim, enticing. End of chapter 5 Of the Glamour of the Snow